Welcome back, everybody. It's Taco Tuesday! I'm Alex Padilla. I'm Alex Regla. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Taco Tuesday. I'm Alex Padilla, at Alex Padilla 86. He's Alex Regla, at Alex M. Regla. Alex, it only took 23 games and the final day of November, but the Lakers got an easy win. <laughs> I was going to say, is this, I haven't looked it up, is this their biggest uh, margin of victory so far? With, it feels like with, it has to be. Without looking it up, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, it has it to be. It definitely feels like it. It has to be. I mean, they've had some big losses, but as far as wins goes, hasn't every game gone to overtime? Yeah. Every win? <laughs> I mean, the last <laughs> time these two teams like played, it was triple overtime. So. All right, so here's the, let's, I'll run through it real quick. Uh, 3, 4, 12, 10, 2, 3, 3, 8, 5, 8, and now, oh, excuse me, 4, and now today. Okay. 117, 192. So by far, easily the largest margin of victory. And, like, I don't know. I felt like this was, like, one of the most, I wouldn't say, like, it was a lot of fun. It, it just felt like the most, like, team win, like, collectively. I think a lot of people contributed to this win. Yes. Uh, obviously, coming into today, let's just start off by saying the obvious uh no lebron james uh lebron james entered the health and safety protocols uh according to reports he is expected expected to miss a couple of games now i was trying to find if there's you know i'm just assuming that he tested positive because why else would he be on the health and safety list because he has claimed uh he has said that he's vaccinated rob palinka said that the entire team is vaccinated so um just an assumption on my end. I think it's a safe assumption. So that's the story of the game going in. So to go to your point of it felt like a team win, it definitely did because you got Malik Monk scored 22, Howard scored 12, Carmelo scored 14, Russ had another big game, 23, Anthony Davis, a very quiet 25 points for Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, how about these plus minus numbers? You ready for this, dude? <laughs> yeah, they're wild. Okay, Malik Monk, he played 33 minutes today, plus 33. Dwight That's Howard ridiculous. in 35 minutes because DJ only played four minutes today, which I'm sure is a, a you know, a yeah, thankful. we'll talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dwight Howard plus 27 tonight. This one stands out the most to me, though, man. In nine minutes, Rondo was plus 19. <laughs> he came in in that third quarter that where the Lakers really just turned it around. Um, the Lakers went on a 35-8 run in the third quarter. Yeah, no, no. Again, I think those numbers kind of uh, exemplify how well everybody played for the most part. Like, I think outside of maybe, like you said, DeAndre, um, THT didn't have the best game, but I think like literally everyone else like played really, really well. And like just to to name a few here, like Dwight, you said it was a plus twenty seven. He played the entire second half. I don't think he subbed out once. I think I saw someone say so. He played 35 minutes. That's coming after games where he didn't play at all. Like the Lakers were going to either DJ to start, Anthony Davis would play, you know, his minutes at the five, and then LeBron's been playing center. So Dwight Howard's kind of been out of the rotation. So for him to come in after missing some games, kind of being out of this, out of the lineup, like that was really impressive. I thought his activity on the boards and defensively in the second half were really, really key. Um, I thought that. 
the second half of this ball game, um, offensively something clicked and defensively really stood out. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's that the Lakers figured out how to stop the pick and roll or if that the Kings just <laughs> stopped running it. I, I, like, I really was trying to look at this, and to me it looked like the Kings just stopped moving the ball. I don't know what they did, but they did the opposite of second-half adjustments because they looked awful in the second in the second half and I'll give credit to the Lakers just because any positive I will take and spin it and run with it and grab it um so I'll just say that the Lakers had the best defensive half that they've had all season I don't think that's stretching any no, sort of I, fact yeah, there yeah no I think it has to be I, I think on that that point you made I think um a lot of times like a team's offense really is like sometimes their best defense right because in the first half the lakers turned it over 10 times and the kings really just got Mm -hmm. out and got so many easy dunks and layups and transition because of that and they really cleaned that up in the second half they only had four turnovers like you said the offense clicked like like a lot of open threes and they finally started making them and the half court offense looked a lot better so sometimes when you kind of take care of business on one end it usually translates on the other so i thought that really was a good uh like carryover effect there yeah, for sure. I think Malik Monk had just a, one of those games that that it stands out in the box score. It stands out in your eye. Obviously, yeah. that 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 shot right before halftime. Um, but I don't know, man. There was just something, and I I, I don't want to say that they like realized who they were playing because they haven't really been playing world beaters of a schedule so far this year. But it just something came out, and they just looked like a completely different team than we've seen all year in the second half. They played with the spirit. Like, I know it's cliche, but, like, that's something this team really hasn't done a lot of this year. Like, they played with energy. They really competed defensively. That showed, like, there was this possession where the Kings ended up getting a dunk on it, but, like, the ball was scrambling on the perimeter. Like, the Kings kept making these extra passes, and the Lakers... Like each guy was rotating and, and, and running defensively, but eventually the, the Kings found the open player. But that just kind of showed the the energy the team was playing with. And that's something, again, like I said, hasn't been there this year and it's going to have to be there with, with LeBron being out. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers by now are used to not having LeBron James. They're eventually going to have to figure this out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron has missed, I don't know exactly how many games he's missed so far. I know it's about half the games, I think. I think. Half, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the Lakers, no more excuses about not having him. You got to figure something out. Um, and you're not going to have him, most likely, um, I think 10 days, maybe, minimum. That, that, that's that, that's, that's speculation. Yeah. But um, luckily for them, they do have a pretty light schedule. Remember our last podcast, I think we talked about how the Lakers haven't had more than one day off since the beginning of the season. Uh, that is now that stretch they're heading into. Uh, they don't play until Friday, and that's when they play the Clippers, and then they don't play again until Tuesday. So they only have two games in the next week, which is very, very nice for them. They caught a break in terms mm-hmm. of the scheduling, and obviously you can't time these things when they're going to happen, but um yeah they're fortunate and um maybe that's why guys played so many minutes tonight like dwight played 35 monk played 32 uh ellington played 33 which is kind of wild so uh i'm sure that played a role into the vogel kind of just letting those guys played out but yeah i think this team needs a break um to reset and obviously for lebron to recuperate and stuff like that but um yeah i i saw those days off in between it kind of took me by surprise because i'm so used to this team playing every other game now yeah that's really what it's been uh alex let me ask you um you watched this game from a much 
different perspective than than I do, and I think your your tweets prove that. Very, uh, you know, you can see you see the game a lot differently than I do. So when I ask you this question, I don't know if it's obvious tonight or just just a general question. What was the difference between the defense in the second quarter and the defense in the third quarter for the Lakers? Because the second quarter, I wrote one note down, like, what is this defense? Yeah, it was so bad in the second quarter, and then in the third quarter, they go on this massive run, outscore the team, outscore the Kings thirty-seven fifteen. Like, what did you see specifically that was like, yeah, that stood out? I mean, I, I kind of going back to what I said earlier. I think just limiting their chances in transition. I thought they did a lot better job in keeping them in the half court. And like, this is like a small thing, but like the Kings got into the penalty really early. I think in the. I think the third quarter, actually, I think like they picked up a lot of fouls and De'Aaron Fox kept getting to the free throw line really early into the like into the possession. And obviously you don't want to give the other team free points, but you're almost slowing them down to a point where they're keeping them out in transition. You can reset on the other end and just kind of limiting their momentum because the Kings like they're missing players as well. Um, De'Aaron Fox, like his whole like thing is that he's fast in the half court and in the full court i mean and that that was really shown in in that first half this like the team flew up and down the court and they just kind of stopped them and i like you mentioned the pick and roll defense earlier that was a big issue in the first half like they got so many lobs out of out of things and i thought they switched a lot more in, in the second half and towards the end of the second quarter and if you switch that pick and roll like you kind of take yourself out of that position where the the ball handler gets downhill and kind of faces like a two-on-one where the roller can kind of just get behind the big. So like DJ, we saw that earlier, Dwight, some possessions. And the Lakers are pretty small already on uh, in the backcourt. So if you have a lob and like say Malink Monk is having to tag the, the big man, that's just going to be a, a pass over the top. So I thought switching was a good idea. And just like I said, just playing with more activity. I, I thought Dwight in particular was like an anchor defensively. I thought he was tremendous. Um. Just to, just because they just recently played the Kings last week, we can just almost compare and contrast. They had LeBron that game, but in that game, I know it went to th- triple overtime. But Darren Fox and and Buddy Heel just torched them. Um, and and when you look at the box score from tonight, just straight from just usage, it's like they got the ball out of their hands and just like mm-hmm. let's make somebody else beat us tonight. You know, Darren Fox only attempted nine shots. Buddy Heel only attempted seven shots. Um, I know the numbers are way skewered because the game went to triple overtime. But if you look at their numbers from that game previously, you know, Darren Fox took 32 shots and Buddy took 21. So I just felt like the Lakers did a really good job of getting the ball out of those two guys' hands. And I know that Holmes was like, at one point, I think he was like 11 for 11. (laughs) (laughs) But they just were like, let somebody else beat us today if they're going to do it. That's a great point. You know, like I didn't actually realize it until you read the box and I looked like, yeah, Buddy Heald only taking like not not just like how he shot it, but only taking seven shots. That's a big, a big like uh, feather in the Lakers defense's cap there. Like that's really hard to do with a guy like Buddy with his size and ability like to get it off from anywhere. So yeah, I, maybe that's why they're bigs. Like, I'm lo- again looking at the box where a lot of their bigs just put up crazy numbers tonight. Maybe that was virtue of just the Lakers kind of trying to forcing the guards to give that ball up and let, like kind of living with open threes and kind of like having their butt, their bigs trying to beat them instead of their guards. So whatever they did, I, I, th- I thought it worked really well. Um, as we're sitting here, it is about 945 at night. Uh, the game is over and now... 
players are out talking in the press conference. So I'll just keep you up to date if anything's coming up because obviously players are going to get asked about LeBron James. And I think that this just confirms that, yes, he does have COVID-19 because according to Chris Haynes, I'm not listening to it. I am watching it. Anthony Davis just said that he spoke with LeBron and LeBron told Anthony Davis that he is asymptomatic so far. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said this quote, COVID's a scary thing, especially with all those new variants coming out. It's just a scary situation. So I know that LeBron traveled with the team to Sacramento. I saw the videos last night. The Lakers put it on, on, on Twitter. They did not delete any of them. They weren't hiding the fact that LeBron did travel with the team to Sacramento. They found out this morning. They put him in, into protocols immediately, got him home to L.A. So I'm just hoping that it stops that LeBron and that there isn't other trickling cases because that, you know, if you have an outbreak, who knows what, what that looks like for the next few weeks. So, um that's that alex so far yeah like uh, as you mentioned that um i was gonna say did we get anything yet on dion did you see what deandre jordan what happened with him in the first quarter i did not okay so basically the basically what was going around twitter and there's some video kind of supporting this um i think like you said he only played four minutes tonight he got pulls in that in one stretch there and supposedly like from the video at least it looks like frank vogel and him kind of not an altercation but it looked like vogel got really upset that either something deandre wasn't doing on defense i'm assuming or something and like we said like he didn't play the rest of the game and just right now dwight howard i guess he told mike chadell that vogel actually told him before the game that he wasn't gonna play tonight that he mm. didn't plan to play Dwight tonight. And we, like we said, he ended up playing 35 minutes. So whatever happened there, I, I didn't see the play or what happened to that led to Vogel pulling DeAndre. Yeah. But it sounded like something enough to pull him and not play him the rest of the game, which also goes against the game plan where <laughs> he's telling Dwight he's not going to play tonight, assuming we're going to get a lot of AD at the five, which we really didn't. So right. that's something to monitor. I'm, I'm, if you see any quotes on DeAndre, am, let me know. I am seeing the video now. Okay. Um, but yeah, I could see the confrontation, I guess. I don't know what the, whatever the word is, but yeah, that's an interesting thing to say, especially because Dwight says he's not going to play and that he was kind of down, but he did play a little bit. So that's an interesting thing, but I don't think Laker fans are clamoring for more DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm really curious. Like, obviously, Laker fans are um, not going to complain if DeAndre is sat for Dwight or something like that. But just the whole center rotation continues to kind of be in like this in this flux where we have AD at center, DeAndre at center, but Dwight really hasn't been given that opportunity to start or really like be the primary backup center. Like, it's been either AD and now like LeBron. So. Um, we'll see if this big game has led to Dwight getting a chance here. I got to ask you a question that I'm going to take from Anthony's Twitter feed. Um, he says, yeah, I know he was, by the way, just like full disclosure, Anthony was supposed to do the podcast with you tonight Mm -hmm. because I was having crazy internet issues and he was just like, I think you saved our audience from some crazy takes. Um, so he says on, he said on Twitter, somebody asked him like, do you think simply not having Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan available Im- immediately made this team better because Frank couldn't play them? I mean, <laughs> all right, 
right. So <laughs> did you see that? Like, I, I, like- I, I didn't see that, but I'll say this as someone who's on Twitter a lot and, and follows a lot of Laker fans and people, um, Vogel's uh, preference to keep playing DeAndre and Bradley uh, is one of the more uh, frustrating things about this team and, and Vogel's coaching so far because they've been, in terms of like net rating, they've been horrible. Like mm-hmm. two of the worst players, and they continue to be not just in the rotation but starting. So both of them being unavailable obviously kind of prevents him from doing that. So I guess any way you can change that calculus is a good thing <laughs> well listen remember a few years ago listen Frank, this is not the first set of players that vogel has played that everybody hates before play we before we discovered playoff rondo we had regular season rondo that we all hated frank vogel for playing all the time mm-hmm. so this isn't the first player that maybe fans don't want to see that's just going to continue to play um I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, like, Frank does it. Like, I think the product is – is it not obvious? Like, is it really not that obvious sometimes? Like, are you – is is are they that – are they performing that well in practice? Does he, do they bring that much to the team off the court? I don't know. Like, I don't have answers to, to what I'm asking, but I thought it was an interesting observation. No, it is. You know what? Like, I think this stretch, like, we don't, again, Bradley is hurt. Like, he sprained his thumb, I, I believe, is, is the reason why he's been out. I'm not sure how long that injury is going to prevent him from being in the lineup. But this does give Vogel, um, again, it forces his hand. He has to change his starting lineup based on Bradley not being there. We saw THT get in there today. And, um, yeah, I, I think a guy like Ellington got a big a big look tonight because of Bradley not being there. And we saw the benefit of his spacing. Like, his shooting is just miles ahead of where Bradley is as, as a shooter at this point in terms of his floor spacing and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a good opportunity to with Bradley being out for the Lakers to experiment with some other guards in his, in his spot. And I, I think Monk, uh, again, Malik Monk and Westbrook have this really dynamic, like, chemistry on offense like they're two really fast and he monk is one of the like few quick guys on this team who could kind of run with westbrook so uh, getting the chance to see different looks is, is at least a blessing in disguise with these injuries uh frank vogel says today halftime adjustments um saying that he had a quote spirited halftime conversation saying every now and then a coach has to light a fire under his team today was one of those days hmm do you think Frank Vogel has that in him? I, Do you think I Frank Vogel goes into the to the locker room and he's like, "All right, LeBron's not here. Here I go." You know, like the coach ain't here, the GM ain't in here. I, it's just me, Frankie, baby. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna light a fire under their ass. I'm gonna go in there and and cuss them out and be like, "Get your head out of your ass, boys. You gotta play some." De-. You know, like, do you think Frank has that in him? I didn't think so, uh, but you know what? Sometimes, you know, if he's gonna do it, now's the time. Honestly, like again, they were trailing. They barely were down nine uh, going into the half. And again, I, I I wonder how much of that, like his frustration was based on whatever happened with DeAndre. Because I don't know. I I see another quote here from Harrison that they asked him about Dwight's defense. And he just said, or Dwight's defense and pick and roll. So going back to what you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, Dwight's just more familiar with what we want to do. Um that's that's some shade right there i think towards someone uh i'm curious to see what happens with deandre next game 
Yeah, he ain't going to start probably. I don't, you would think, <laughs> but Vogel, you know, he's, if nothing else, he's very, like, he has his guys. He does have his guys, and we thought Rondo would be that guy, but, you know, like, it was a surprise to see Rondo today, right, in the third quarter, because they were playing so well, and all of a sudden, Rondo's yeah. in with Russ, you're like, wait, what happened, where, where'd that duo come from again? Thought we were done with that. So, yeah, Rondo, I mean, Frank has his guys, and and, and Frank is is... I don't know, man. Like, Frank's under pressure. You're always going to be under pressure as a Lakers head coach. But now, all those storylines we were worried about with Jason Kidd, like, we don't have a, a an immediate successor on the bench right now. But what you do have is a team that's struggling. They're 12-11, and 11, coming in with incredible expectations, championship or bust. Um, and regardless if, if he puts a roster together, which he did not, regardless of how much control he has, we don't know. He is under fire. He will be under fire until this team does what Anthony Davis said. Go out and win nine or ten games in a row. Yeah, I mean, maybe some, like you said, maybe some of that frustration in halftime was, maybe did stem from the pressure he's feeling. Like, obviously, um, it's no surprise Vogel's, like, on the hot seat in terms of coaches around the league. That that's, that just comes with the, the job of being Lakers head coach. That's going to happen when you struggle to start the year. But, um yeah, like I, I think Vogel. It's been a weird thing all year, where it's like who, who's to blame and who's not to blame. Is it just too early to figure out like who's at fault or not at fault? And Vogel's definitely not uh, exempt from criticism. Like he, like we talked about the lineups, we talked about the Bradley DeAndre thing, but at the same time, like you said, that he didn't build the roster. He has dealt with the injuries and all that other stuff. But yeah, I, I, I just think again his halftime thing just shows like this is again maybe the best spirit this team has shown from a coaching staff to down to the players in a game so hopefully this translates because if nothing else this team has just been like so up and down like this feels like a moment where they can kind of build some momentum and kind of like look back and say okay we can do these things that we can beat anyone um but it's going to be up to them to kind of instill it yeah, we thought that Pacer, or excuse me, the we Pistons, thought that Pistons yeah. thing was the turning point. Um, it wasn't. They lost to the Knicks. They went to overtime against the Pacers. They lost to the Kings, and now they won two in a row. And I, I believe Anthony Davis said we need to go out and win ten in a row to change the, you know, the the talking points of this team. And now they've won two in a row. Uh, but it does schedule does turn around a little bit here. They take on the Clippers on Friday, and the Celtics on Tuesday, uh, both in LA. Um, so, uh, Alex, let me ask you this question because coming into today, there was 60 games left. They obviously win tonight. If I had to ask you coming into today, how many more wins will the Lakers get of the 60? Uh, man, like, is this team destined to be battling to get out of the play in tournament again? Or is this team... I don't. Is this team good enough to be six or above? Well, I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this, and and be honest. Have you looked at the standings, like in terms of games back recently? Uh, No, not until today. Uh, Okay. So yeah, go for it. So I was surprised by this. Maybe some listeners are too. If you if they haven't like checked the standings, like based on everything that's like gone on with this team and before tonight's game, like if just on that, you would probably believe the Lakers are probably like ninth or tenth right and so they were seventh coming to the game but they're only a half game back of the fourth seed coming into the game 
So, like, it, it does feel bleak at times with how badly they've played and the injuries that have happened and not everything else surrounding the team. But thankfully, the rest of the Western Conference hasn't really, like, blown out other teams and other the other conference and just has had issues on their own side. So the Lakers, despite everything, are, are still, like, right there in it. Like, after... I have to see how the standings change after this game, but it's not like crazy to think they'll still have home court advantage because they're only I half got game them, out. I got them right now at seven games behind the Suns, and you know, okay. and you got the Timberwolves are seven games behind the Suns. The Clippers are seven yes, games exactly. behind the Suns. The Grizzlies are seven games behind the Suns. The Mavericks are seven games behind the Suns. So, uh, you know, one more win, and they're in fourth place. And to, but like to go against that, um, they've had the easiest schedule up until this point. And I forgot, oh man, I forget what his name is, but someone tweeted out today um, the Lakers basically have the most difficult schedule from here on the out for the, the rest of the year. So that's definitely not good. But but I don't mind it, man. I and and I think this is a some people might think this is a cop out, but I genuinely think like yes, they should be beating teams like the Kings and the Pistons and the Thunder. But at the same time, those are the games that those teams get up for when they play the Lakers. You know, like every every, and I know it's like cliche and very sports radioy, but it's true. Like teams get up for the Lakers no matter what. So I understand that their schedule has been super easy and their schedule is gonna be really hard. But every team that comes to Staples or plays the Lakers wants to beat them. Like it's not, it's never a throwaway game. You know when when the Suns go play the Pistons, you don't think the you are the Suns at one hundred and ten percent playing the Pistons? No, mm. are the Pistons even though the Suns have now won eighteen in a row? Are the Pistons like all of a sudden getting up for the Suns? Not as much as they get up for the Lakers. So it's a little sports radio skip Bayless on my end, but I really believe that. And it, there is like the argument to be said, or, or like an old adage that like a veteran team like the Lakers are. Maybe they'll, like you said, maybe knowing they're playing better competition, that they themselves will rise to the challenge versus having to play a Phoenix or a Sacramento like on a Tuesday night and being malaise about it, just not like trying hard. So maybe having to face stiffer competition night in and night out will kind of light a fire under them. Maybe they, they'll have their eyes open at the level they're not at or the level they have to play at to to kind of compete with these teams on a nightly basis. So there's good and bad about having a difficult schedule. And you would hope that by then or for the rest of the way, they'll be mostly healthy. And like, they've gotten quite a few guys back recently. And hopefully by then a reason Kendrick Nunn will be back, but oh, I, I, I have no Kendrick idea Nunn. what's, what's going on there. Well, here's some positives to leave everybody with our biggest issue two weeks ago was just like, is Russell Westbrook fit? He has come out and now put like what six seven he, games he's together. Been, in a he's row. been awesome for like he's been a while great. now. The third quarter has been shambolic, just absolutely brutal. The first half of the season, and now I believe they've won seven of their last ten third quarters. Yeah, and they looked really good today. For the first time, they actually built a lead in the third quarter and didn't blow it in the fourth. Like, that's what they've been doing. When they have leads in the fourth, they've been blowing it to crappy teams. And today, they didn't, even though I was fully expecting them to. Those are three major positives that I want to, like, just have absorbed into the brain today going forward. 
That's what I'm going to think of today. The great defensive execution in the second half is another one today. I feel like this team is learning, and I feel like maybe the results will now follow. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that first half, I, like we said, Westbrook came into the game probably on a, his, like, best five, six game stretch of the year. And he came into the first half, and I was like, oh, no. It's like a retread of, of everything we saw to, to start the year where, where he was kind of driving into traffic, turning it over, taking wild contested shots, just not playing. He was just harming his own team at, at that point. But then, like, the third quarter, he completely switched, and he kind of played with poise, and his aggression was more kind of controlled, and he really kind of helped lift the spirits of the team. So uh, that's another really strong game from Westbrook. I know the numbers might not look the best, but in terms of changing the momentum, I thought he was, again, one of the biggest catalysts. So, yeah. like, I, And hasn't the eye test just been a lot easier with him, too? Definitely. Like, it, it doesn't look like he's, like, it, the issue anymore. Like, I, I guess those first few <laughs> yeah. games, it did look like he was like, shoot, like, I don't know how the team is going to, like, work around this. But now he's, like, the guy in most nights where it's like he's the one kind of, like, playing well where the other's. Like, I'm worried about those guys more. So that is that is a very big positive in terms of having one of your stars starting to feel comfortable. Here's another first of the season. The opposing coach has apologized for his team's <laughs> effort tonight. That's right. Alvin Gentry, as the coach of this team, I want to apologize to every Kings fan tonight <laughs> because you do not deserve this. That is progress, man. The Lakers kicked someone's ass so hard, the other coach said sorry. Hey, that's a positive step in the right direction for this team. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, the Lakers, 12-11. and 11. They win tonight, 117-92. Uh, obviously, the news, the really big news that's good that you're going to hear about tomorrow all day, uh, the confirmation that LeBron James does have COVID-19. So he will miss, I don't know, in the NFL, I've seen guys, Ben Roethlisberger came back in eight days because he was fully vaccinated. Um, a lot of guys that are vaccinated come back within 10 days in the NFL. So if the NBA has similar protocol, I'm not very familiar with the NBA's protocols. Like, I don't know how different they are, but I'm assuming at least 10 days for LeBron James to be out unless he posts, I, I think it was a two negative tests within 24 hours. I believe so. And it, from the report so far, it just sounds like it's going to be at least 10 days. Yeah. So uh, if you do 10 days, that is a total of five games missed. Tonight's, then you got Friday Clippers, uh, next Tuesday Celtics, the ninth against the Grizzlies, and the 10th against the Thunder. So you could be seeing LeBron maybe December 12th against Orlando. Our, like Early in the season when LeBron was out, obviously we were more concerned with like them just kind of figuring things out and, and kind of staying afloat until he got back. Where are you out now with Le- LeBron being out? Like, Are you more, no, they got to get some wins regardless, or are you yeah. more just like figuring yeah. things out again? Okay. This is why they got Russell Westbrook. I think, mm-hmm. I, I, at least I think a big part of it, if you're Rob Palenka and you see that LeBron James has suffered major injuries during his tenure with the Lakers, you know that he's going to be 37 years old here shortly. I think you just are assuming that LeBron is going to miss games now, whether that's by choice of rest or because of injury. Obviously, COVID is, is everywhere right now. So to answer your question, yes. I expect the Lakers to win games without LeBron James because they don't have a lot of... I mean, the worst thing you want to do is fall behind under 500. 
I don't care how close the, the, the Pacific is, like you really, or the West is, you really wanna not fall behind. You wanna just stay afloat at least while LeBron is out. Yeah. And it's I, all it's not like and it's not like they've been world beaters with LeBron either. Let's be fair. No, let's be that's real. true. And like, yeah. we are getting to a point of the season where there's no more like okay, let's just get comfortable, figure things out, experiment. At some point these wins really do matter. And um, like we said, the schedule is about to be harder. Uh, tonight they showed that if they play collectively as a team, they try on defense, get contributions from multiple guys, they, they're capable of winning without LeBron, especially when you have two guys like Westbrook and AD still available. Like that should be enough. So yeah, I, I, I think they have to be competitive here and win at least like, if nothing else, like just stay 500. Like I guess that'd be okay until LeBron gets back. I think beating the I think beating the Clippers would be a very big win for them. I think um, mm-hmm. I agree. Boston is a winnable game. I think Memphis is a winnable game, and I definitely think they should beat the Thunder. Oh my God! If they lose to the Thunder again, <laughs> I mean, those are the games that they have without LeBron. Those are the four games they have without LeBron. I don't think them going three and one is out of the is out of the picture. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Like, I, I think that Celtics game uh, would, will be tough. Uh, the Clippers now, we've also game been very be positive on this podcast, and they've proven us wrong all year. So <laughs> if true. they come back one and three, then I wouldn't be surprised either. No, no, absolutely. God, I, just I, I can't believe to... they play the Thunder again. Like, I'm already getting flashbacks <laughs> to that. I just want them to, like, take this game and just go forward, you know? Like, I just really – that's what I want to see. Come out here on Friday, a little rest – a little relaxation, hopefully no more positive tests, and you just go out there and just really compete against the Clippers that are not world beaters either. They're 11 and 10 right mm-hmm. now too. So, you know, the, it's not like the Clippers are just tearing up through the through the West. So I think the, the Lakers, no excuses. I understand you don't have LeBron James, but you have all, everybody else. So we'll see what happens. Alex, do you want to do predictions, I guess, since we have two just games? Just two games, we, right? Um, let's we'll, say we'll post-game. Against the Celtics next Clippers, week. Clippers, Celtics. Um, I say they go one and one. It's boring, yeah, but I, I say they go one and one. Yeah, me too. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the one is the of the one win is the Clippers. Like ne- them beating either team wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I think they have a better chance against the Clippers, honestly. But um, I'd be happy with either one. I, I think is... one and one going into Memphis Thunder, Memphis OKC. Orlando, those three are really winnable. I think they have to win all three of those. The Celtics kicked their ass last time. So yeah. It would be nice to, to win that game. All right, man. Well, uh, this was fun. Alex Regla, at Alex M. Regla on Twitter. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to this podcast no matter where you're listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google Play, uh, Amazon, wherever that, that you're listening, just subscribe. And you could read Alex's work on his Twitter at AlexMRegla or SilverScreenRoll.com. Is there anything that you want to promote? Um, I should be writing something for this week. I was going to write about LeBron, um, but I'm not sure if I should still do that that piece. But um, I'll have something up uh, later this week. All right. You can go ahead and check that out or check me out on Twitter as well at AlexPadilla86. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We always appreciate it. Taco Tuesday. Alex, we'll talk to everybody next week. Awesome, man. Thank you.